literature is what codifies a society i mean what is fiction fiction is an amplification of reality allowing you to look at reality in different ways and most importantly allowing you to look at truth in the through the prism of the writer's eyes and i think literature is very very important because without literature a society would be completely barren i mean entire premise of literature is what if the great dreams that men dream and women dream can only spring from you know something which has sparked off your imagination Hello, I'm Georgina Godwin and this is The Big Interview on Monocle 24. My guest today is a man of many hats, a career diplomat. Vikas Swaroop previously served as Secretary at India's Ministry of External Affairs and as High Commissioner of India in Canada. Over the course of more than three decades, he completed diplomatic posts in the United States, Japan, South Africa and the United Kingdom. And that's far from the whole story. Vikas Swaroop is also the author of at least three novels, most notably the international bestseller Q&A, which was adapted into the Academy Award-winning film Slumdog Millionaire. And Vikas is joining us now from New Delhi. Thank you, Georgina. Great to be chatting with you. Vikas, you are known to people outside of India as a storyteller, and I wonder who awoke that desire in you to tell stories. Was there one book or perhaps one person who first inspired you? Well, in a way, it was my grandfather who first inculcated in me a love of books. And, you know, I grew up in an era when there was no internet, there was no cable television. The only entertainment you had was you could go and watch a movie maybe once a week or you could read books. And my grandfather was himself a great book reader. He had a magnificent library, having more than 10,000 books. And he was very eclectic, you know. So you would have an essay on Liberty by Isaiah Berlin you know, nestling next to Kushwan Singh's A Train to Pakistan. So my first reading was really, uh, you know, grabbing the books from my grandfather's library and reading them. And then uh, gradually I got into book reading habit by borrowing from the library. There was a renting library also, which used to give out books, uh, you know, at a very cheap rate. And I used to buy them and I remember finishing them off in a couple of days to save money. That's how I really got into the foreign service because It was this early exposure to the world of books and to the world contained in those books that made me want to explore that world uh, physically. As a diplomat? As a diplomat. I just wonder, before we go on to your diplomatic career, if we could talk a little bit about the literature that you were reading. Was it mostly Indian literature and were you reading from further afield? I'm specifically trying to get actually at the question here about, I guess you'd call it colonial literature, people like Rudyard Kipling. No, Rudyard Kipling was never my favourite. I don't think I got into it. For me, the favourites were the staple diet of Indian teenagers growing up in 1970s India. So it was Enid Blyton, it was Earl Stanley Gardner, it was Alistair MacLean, Desmond Bagley, Irving Wallace, you know. It basically, I started off with the staple of, you know, Enid Blyton, The Famous Five, The Secret Seven, etc. I also read Arthur Conan Doyle, finished all of uh, Sherlock Holmes's novels, and then graduated to thrillers by Alistair MacLean, etc. So most of the uh, reading, actually, at that time, fiction written by our ex-colonialists. And do you think that that influenced your work? No, I don't think so, because my work is very much rooted in the Indian reality. If you have read all three of my books, you will see that all three of them relate to India. There is not a whiff of, uh, you know, a Canolian sentiment. Mm. In fact, in six aspects, there's a line because there's an Indian actress, a Bollywood actress. And she's uh, talking about shooting in Australia. 
where she says now it's become de rigueur for indian films to have some white skinned uh, girls dancing to the brown skinned indian hero and she wonders out aloud is this some form of reverse colonialism Do you know Vicka it's my dearest ambition if you know anybody that's casting middle-aged white women I'm up for it okay <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be in a Bollywood an, movie <laughs> There may be an opportunity because you know uh, both Six Affix and the Accidental Apprentice are coming to the screen as you know one is coming to a television screen in the form of a web series and the Accidental Apprentice will also transition you know either into a web series or into a film and definitely if, if there's a role for you georgina consider it done <laughs> so as a diplomat why did you then decide to write how did you go back to that i think the germ of writing was there from my career as a reader because whenever i'm trying to solve a mystery you know i'm reading earl stanley gardner or i'm reading agatha christie i'm trying to figure out who the murderer is and that you can only do when you go under the surface of the novel you start looking at the scaffolding and you start looking at the clues that the writer has dropped by trying to figure out you know why the writer has used a particular phrase for instance or the writer is deliberately saying that the murderer is a man when there has been no hint that the sex of the murderer is is evident so once i think you start picking up those clues you are already thinking like a writer isn't it because you are looking under the surface of the words so you know the deeper meanings under the text so i think it was that early exposure to reading which really put uh, me on the path of being a writer of course when i decided to write it was a tough choice because on the one side i wanted to write something which would be something that the rest of the world would relate to and would be well why not why would i not want to write a best seller but at the same time i was very very cognizant of the fact that no indian writers had written mystery novels which were best sellers because till that time all my reading as i mentioned to you were these western writers i had not really read indian writing in english and that is what i did in london when i was posted there between 2000 and 2003 the golders green library was a was a great source you could borrow about 15 to 20 books and i took out all the indian writers in english that i had heard of from arundhati roy downwards and i read all of them and i discovered that all of them have written about society not one of them has written a murder mystery which has been a best seller but i was so hooked on the concept of you know of a page turner the reader wanting to find out what happens next so i decided to marry the two that i will write about society but in a thrilling kind of way and that's why i call my genre social thrillers Well it's a fantastic book Q&A as you say you wrote it in your during your posting in London back in 2003 it became a, an international bestseller translated into i think 44 languages and then it was adapted into the film Slum Dog Millionaire that went on to win 8 academy awards including best picture i mean did you have any idea that it would become such a universal sensation Georgina BBC asked me this exact same question you know when Slumdog Millionaire first came out that Mr Swaroop when you were writing this novel could you visualize it as a film and I said I couldn't even visualize it as a book <laughs> you know I was the first time writer I had no knowledge of the publishing world I had no knowledge of you know how to interact with the agents uh, what to talk to publishers etc so literally it was just attempt by me to challenge myself to see that do i have a novel inside me can i produce something and i wrote four and a half chapters i sent it out to 10 agents met the actual agent that i finally got on the internet he had just started agenting he was a publisher himself 
And then he took me on on the basis of four and a half chapters. I finished the remaining novel in the remaining one month I had in London before I was posted back to Delhi. And the rest, as they say, is history. So honestly, when I was writing this novel, I had no idea, no illusion of success at all. I thought it was a very Indian novel. You know, there were no Maharajas and elephants and palaces uh, in my book. It's really about the underbelly of urban India. That kind of a book really had not been done before. But I thought this is a book that I want to write because I wanted to write about the underdog. And did you have a reader in your mind? I mean, you've been translated into so many languages. Was there one particular reader, somebody, an, an Indian or somebody in Britain or wherever, that you were thinking might eventually read this? Or perhaps you thought no one at all would? <laughs> no, there was one reader in mind, and that was myself. Uh, I was writing the book that I wanted to read. And, you know, it's very interesting. When I went on my first book tour, that took me to Australia, to all the major cities, you know, Brisbane, Perth, uh, Melbourne, Sydney, etc. And there, uh, uh, an elderly lady walked up to me and, and she said, Mr. Saroop, you know, this book of yours, it gave me a really, really great window into India and into Indian society. And that zapped me a little because when I was writing this, the last thing I was thinking was that I'm going to give people a peek into Indian society because I was writing as an insider for insiders. I was not writing, you know, for an audience of, you know, as you said, 44 translations, uh, you know, what would a reader in uh, Netherlands make of it or a reader in Germany or a reader in Sweden? I was writing as an Indian for Indians. So to me, it was a surprise. And that told me something very interesting, that only when you write authentically, you know, as an insider, for insiders, will a foreign reader relate to your book as an authentic, you know, representation of that society. So what happens then when filmmakers change that? I mean, it was a huge Hollywood success, but it does differ in some significant aspects uh, from Q&A, as Slumdog Millionaire, the, the movie is called. So, for instance, they changed the lead character's name from Ram Muhammad Thomas to Jamal Malik. And I wonder if this was contentious in that it loses the possibility that the character could be of any religion. And instead, they made him a Muslim whose mother's killed by this Hindu mob. And I wondered how that played in India. Well, as you know, the film was seen as uh, slightly controversial when it first came out. People thought that, you know, it was poverty porn, that uh, even the Taj Mahal, they are, they are showing through a filter of, uh, of filth, etc. But of course, once it won all these Academy Awards, uh, <laughs> the opinion changed and they, they hailed it as a masterpiece. And, and actually, you know, I met Danny Boyle, you know, after the filming had been done, uh, when we met for the first time in London at the London Film Festival, where Slumdog Millionaire was the closing film. And he told me, he said, look, I had never been to India. I went to India for the first time to shoot this film. And I saw Mumbai and I saw Dharavi, the slum, and I was completely bowled over. And I just, I didn't see the filth. I just saw the cinematic potential of this and the cinematic possibilities. And he told me that, look, I filmed it with a lot of respect and I have a lot of respect for India, for Indians. So I don't think that, you know, he was trying to do anything uh, deliberately. I was told from the very beginning that the film will be quite different from the book because when Simon Beaufoy, who was doing the screenplay, uh, met me at the, at the launch of uh, Q&A as a book in London, because don't forget, they took the film rights one year before the book was even published. So when he met me, he said, look, I love your novel, but let me tell you straight up front, the entire novel won't go into the film because we just don't have the budget yeah. for it. And we'll change the title because there's already a Hollywood film called Q&A with Nick Nolte. So I knew that there would be major changes, but still, I think, as you mentioned, the change that they made of the main character from Ram Muhammad Thomas to Jamal Malik 
I thought was a big loss in the sense that Ram Muhammad Thomas is a multi-dimensional character, and he uses the elements of his name, you know, Ram for a Hindu and uh, Muhammad for a Muslim and Thomas for a Christian in different ways, and that I think was lost in the union dimensionality of Jamal Malik, uh, you know, who's just a, a member of a Muslim family. Let's move on to your next book because you've already flagged it. It's Six Suspects. It's a whodunit and it's based on a real life story. This is Jessica Lal. Tell us about this. Now, you know, when your first book gets translated into 44 languages and becomes a stage play and a radio play and a film, etc., the pressure on the second book, as you know, is huge. And my publishers kept dropping hints that maybe you would like to do another book with the same characters and we could call it another Q&A. And I said, no, hang on. I don't want to become a Spider-Man franchise. Hmm. I want to do something different. I don't want to be restricted to the same characters. And believe it or not, at that time, I was having six different plots in my head. And I thought to myself, I said, why not I combine all of them into one uh, novel? But then how do I link them together? And I thought a, a good way of linking them together would be to create a murder mystery in which all these six characters are suspects. So that's why I dreamt up uh, of this uh, novel uh, called Six Suspects. It is based on some real life crimes which took place in India, but they only provide the backdrop for the first 10 pages. You know, the rest of the novel is really, it's not even as much as a whodunit. It's really a why done it, mm. uh, you know, and the idea is to give you a peek into Indian life and society through six very different eyes, ranging from a Bollywood actress to a mobile phone thief to a politician to a bureaucrat. And then two very, very interesting characters, one a tribal from the Andaman Islands. They still live with the, and shoot with bows and arrows. And of course, an American from Waco, Texas called Larry Page, who of course is a simpleton who comes to India in search of a male or a bride and then discovers on arrival that he has been duped completely and then the adventures that he goes through. So the idea really was to, you know, give much more, a much more layered narrative about India because the thing about India is India is the most complex country on the planet and there is no one book or film which can do justice to the many realities that coexist in India at the same time. So I thought, well, I cannot cover the whole of India, but at least I can cover slightly more of India than I could through a unidimensional narrative. And that's why Six Suspects. Mm. Do you think then the popularity of, of, of Six Suspects, of The Accidental Apprentice, of Q&A, uh, has changed perceptions of India, or at least heightened the country's profile? So for instance, I'm, I'm really interested if you think that, that books like Q&A made something like Life of Pi possible, or perhaps uh, helped people like Arundhati and indeed Anuradha Roy gain their huge readerships? No, no, I think that would be totally presumptuous on my part to think that I made these, uh, you know, much better writers famous through my books. No, not at all. I think, you know, there is a big genre now called Indian writing in English. If you go to any library now, there's a separate section of uh, Indian writers. It started, of course, with Salman Rushdie and Vikram Seth and has continued ever since because I think Indian writers use English in a very different way than uh, an English writer would do or an American writer would do. And I think that's the charm, you know, especially this new terminology called Hinglish, where there are a lot of Hindi words thrown in uh, as well as part of the mix. And I think Salman Rushdie first popularized it through Midnight uh, Children. Mm. So I think uh, the fact that this kind of uh, writing has always appealed to people uh, was always there. I think my book just added to the to the canon to add it to the genre uh, and I and the fact that yes after that certainly uh, white tiger came uh, you know other books have also now come out which are 
similar in the sense that they also tread the kind of territory that uh, Slumdog Millionaire did or Q&A did. I mean, the movie Lion came out and many people thought of it as, you know, again, being inspired partly by Slumdog Millionaire. So, yes, I think the fact that the film was such a huge success, uh, you know, won so many awards, was really, you know, the defining film uh, of that particular year, 2009. Hello? Hello, Jamal? I'm guessing that isn't your brother. <laughs> this is? My name is Latika. Okay, Latika. You want to hear the question one more time? And let's be clear about this. 20 million rupees right on your answer. You have 30 seconds. Latika! Jamal, please read out Salim! the question to Latika now. Is that really you? Yes. The question, Jamal, the question. In Alexander Dumas' book, The Three Musketeers, two of the musketeers are called Athos and Porthos. What was the name of the third musketeer? Was it A, Aramis, B, Cardinal Richelieu, C, D'Artagnan, D, Blanchet? Fifteen seconds. Where are you? I'm safe. Ten seconds. Uh, Latika, what do you think? I don't know. I've never known. Jamal, Kudaro Let's move on to, to, to your, your, your latest book, The Accidental Apprentice. Now, unlike the previous two books, uh, it's told from the point of view of a woman. The protagonist is uh, a very strong-willed female. Uh, she's a believable character. She, she tackles various feminist themes. And it is quite unusual to find a man who's so aware of the day-to-day -day business of being a woman. And I wondered how easy it was for you to, to swap genders in that very intimate way. No, it was difficult, certainly, because for the first time, I mean, I tried it partially in Six Suspects where, you know, one of the characters is a Bollywood actress and her uh, her account is written in the form of a diary. But that was just one character out of six. Here I was doing an entire book from a female perspective. And it certainly was difficult uh, because, you know, I had to start looking at the world from the eyes of a female. Uh, you know, how a 23-year-old uh, young woman would look at uh, at the world. And I think you know, the way a woman perceives the world is quite different from the way a man perceives the world. And the good thing was I had my wife, Aparna, to guide me whenever I was, uh, you know, in doubt about something or whenever I, you know, wanted uh, a particular perspective, I would turn to her and she would then guide me. Uh, that was one. But the reason I chose a female uh, protagonist, uh, Georgina, is this is a book about business, the world of business, in which there is this uh, CEO of a $10 billion company and he's looking for a successor and he's looking for a successor who embodies a mix of determination and desperation. And I thought, you know, only a female protagonist could do justice to both these aspects. You know, there's desperation and there's determination. Yeah. And that's why I chose to write uh, in a, uh, you know, in a female voice. Uh, people have appreciated the novel. Not one reader has so far said that, no, it does not seem authentic. It does not seem that it's a male writer trying to do a female voice. So for me, I think that's a huge compliment. Absolutely. Now, you wrote that book in Japan. You wrote Q&A in London and Six Suspects in South Africa. Did the locations that, that you found yourself in influence your storytelling in any way? 
what I would say is the fact that I wrote these three books while living away from India, in a way, gave me an advantage because I was not caught up in the passion of the moment. I could uh, view events in India more dispassionately uh, than if I were right in the in the heat of the moment in India, and maybe I may have been overwhelmed at that time. Mm. Mm. Now, as we've discussed, all three of your books address social issues. And you've said in the past that literature is one of the most important features of civilization. Why is it so important to society, in your view? No, because literature is what codifies a society. I mean, what is, uh, what is fiction? Fiction is an amplification of reality, allowing you to look at reality in different ways. And most importantly, allowing you to look at truth. Uh, you know, in, in the through the prism of the of the of the writer's eyes, and I think literature is very very important because without literature, a society would be completely barren. I mean, the entire premise of literature is what if the great dreams that men dream and women dream can only spring from you know something which has sparked off your imagination. So when I went to the Oscars, I you know I took with me just my book. Q&A and I got the entire cast and crew to write their comments on it. And you know what Danny Boyle wrote in that book? He said, without this, there would have been nothing. And that was so true because, yes, the film was Danny Boyle's film. It was not my film. But without the book, there would, have not, there would not have been a film. Of course. So I think literature is very, very important because literature is what inspires people to dream, to imagine, to create, to innovate. So without literature, I think it will be it would be very difficult uh, for people to conceive of an alternative reality. And I mean, what you've done also is present this wonderful multi-dimensional vision of India. And I wonder if fiction then is is your way of expressing your your love for the country, your love for its diversity, your patriotism, perhaps as you did when you were a diplomat. As I told you, because India is such a complex country, I can only render it accessible by tapping the various realities of India, because as you know, they say India lives in several centuries at the same time. And that is why all three of the novels that I've written till date, Q&A, Six Suspects and The Accident Apprentice, all of them, you know, provide you a multi-dimensional narrative. Q&A, it was very easy. It was the 12 questions and each of the questions allows me to look at a different facet of India, you know, from uh, prostitution by Bedia tribal girls, uh, you know, who were forced by their own families into, uh, into prostitution, uh, to betting in cricket matches, uh, for instance, uh, to the life of a tragedy queen, uh, a Bollywood actress who's now past her prime. Uh, similarly, in six suspects, through the eyes of these six different uh, uh, suspects in a murder investigation, I'm allowing you to look at the different realities of India through the, through the eyes of these six very different people. And in The Accidental Apprentice, uh, this lady, uh, this protagonist of mine, Sapna Sinha, she has to pass seven tests from the textbook of life. And again, each of these tests allows me to explore a different facet of India. So the idea is to really render the complexity of India slightly more accessible to readers. Mm -hmm. You use the great strapline on the cover of one of your books, and who knows, perhaps it was put there by a publisher. But you say, in life, you never get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. Now, of course, you've been tremendously successful, both in the civil service and in literature. Have you got what you deserved or what you negotiated? No, well, I'm not a great negotiator, so I would say I think I got what I deserved. And I, you know, this is something which was actually related to me by a close relative of mine. 
as something that happened to this person when he was managing a hotel resort, uh, you know, in a Caribbean island. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, it is so true because many people believe that uh, it's the art of negotiation, you know, which can unlock for you the secrets. And because I was writing a book about the business world, I thought this was a very apt way to start the novel. In life, you never get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. But it ends with, in life, you get what you deserve. Well, you certainly deserve the huge success you have. Vikas, just before we let you go, you've now retired from the civil service. What are you going to do next? As of now, the operative philosophy is goodbye pension, hello pension. But uh, <laughs> I've also started writing a new novel. My last novel came out in 2013. And I thought uh, as a high commissioner to Canada that I would at least get my weekends free. But it turned out that I had to deal with a huge Indian community there. And they wanted me on the weekends for you know, celebrating with them all the Indian festivals, uh, which are now Canadian festivals as well. So I just did not get the time to create anything. And now that I have just retired, I think now I can put my feet up and, you know, get my grey cells working again in, in pursuit of fiction. Vikas, I cannot wait. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you once again. And as I said, look forward to more such interactions with you now that I'm a free bird. Vikas Swaroop is the author of three wonderful books. They are Q&A, Six Suspects and The Accidental Apprentice. They're all available now. Do try and get your books through bookshop.org or independent retailers. You've been listening to The Big Interview, which was produced by Emma Searle. It was recorded by Chris Ablakwa. Now, don't forget to subscribe to this and any of our other programmes on Monocle24. I'm Georgina Godwin. Thank you for listening.